0: Hello, lovely Pushback Talks listeners. You're probably wondering, who is this? It's not Leilani, and it's definitely not Frederick. So let me start by introducing myself. My name is Kirsten. I'm on Leilani's team at The Shift, where I work as her communications and marketing manager, and I moonlight as one of the producers here on Pushback Talks. If you've been listening for a while, you know that each year we like to use the summers as an opportunity to revisit our favorite episodes from the season, and focus in on our favorite parts of each interview. But this year, we're doing things a little differently. Every week, we'll take a look back at one of our favorite episodes from across all six seasons of Pushback Talks, and give you an update on how things have progressed and changed since the episode was first released. When we first caught up with Denmark's Housing Minister, Chiara Dipfad, it was to learn about the country's groundbreaking law that placed a five-year ban on renovations and rent increases for new owners and strengthened tenants' rights. Denmark's cabinet reshuffled in 2022, with Minister Diepfe transitioning to Minister of Immigration and Integration. He was replaced by Christian Madsen as Minister of Interior and Housing. But shortly thereafter, the ministries were restructured, with Sophie Lodi-Jakobsen appointed as the Minister of Interior and Health, which now oversees housing policy. As of May 2023, a quota for affordable housing has been planned, and 25% of apartments and new buildings are planned to be rented at reasonable rates. The country is still facing its hurdles with regard to housing, however, with the government coming under fire for a law that limits the proportion of quote-unquote non-Western people in certain neighborhoods and forces local housing associations to sell up to private developers. Protests against the law arose across the country, but only time will tell. (laughs)
1: I'm Frederick Gürten, and I'm the filmmaker.
2: And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate.
1: Welcome to Pushback Talks, and we're back again, Leilani. The other day, there was some great news coming out from the United States, and it's about language. President Biden said that housing is a right. That's what you've been stating for a long time. How did you feel when you read that?
2: One does not take lightly when the President of the United States says that housing is a human right. This is a huge step for that country, but also for the world.
1: Why is language so important for you?
2: I think language uh, gives permission. It It's like opening a door that allows for people to feel like, hey, right, I do, I do have this right. The President said so. It also encourages other governments to go down that path. In my opinion, it creates a culture.
1: But language is great, but legislation is better. And there is actually a country here on the other side of the bridge called Denmark. I mean, I'm in Sweden. Denmark, I can actually see it. Long time since I've been there because of the of the lockdown. But they have something called Lex Blackstone, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to wind back to two years ago when we had the amazing premiere of Push. In Copenhagen at the fantastic festival CPH Docs, and we were playing for sold out theaters. And you and I, together with the amazing festival and uh, the press agent Lina Bielenberg, they really managed to create what we call the perfect storm because suddenly your language was in all the newspapers of Denmark. And then the second screening, there was a panel with a lot of Danish politicians. Do you remember there was on the street, demonstra- an anti-Blackstone demonstration in the streets? I do remember. It was, it was very heated. We actually have now on our podcast somebody who was then a young social democratic politician, but now he's the housing, Denmark, uh, housing minister of Denmark, also the interior minister, Kora Dybberg. So welcome to Pushback Talk, uh, Kora.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Remember, do you remember that screening at C- CPH Docs of, the, of, the, of my film?
3: yes i remembered it uh, very clearly and uh, also the discussions we had afterwards and all in the atmosphere in the streets and also at the time uh, uh, it was a heated debate uh, in uh, in denmark about uh, housing regulation and it was just i think uh, half a year before our general election so so that was very uh, intense period also for me
1: it was. And, and I remember that your predecessor, then a much more neoliberal, uh, you're a social Democrat, your predecessor as a housing minister, he said something like, yeah, you know, uh, there might be a problem in New York or maybe in London, but not in Copenhagen, <laughs> he said. And then like 50% of the room was just standing up and shouting. You know, It, it was kind of a very strong reaction. Remember?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, quite clearly. And, and, uh, and what I think much of uh, of what people reacted on was that that we actually had some very uh, difficult cases in, where Blackstone was entering uh, Copenhagen, buying up uh, large properties where, where you had very low-rent uh, apartments. And, and I think some of the people there were also the people who were living in, in those apartments uh, around the city center.
1: Yeah, there the was coming to almost every screening we had in Copenhagen, there were was- a lot of tenants coming from houses bought by by Blackstone, and and the stories coming from them was quite intense. You know, this kind of stories that people knock their door and say, "We want to change windows." Yeah, but the other landlord changed window windows eight months ago. No, no, we want to go. We're going to change your windows. So there was all this kind of very aggressive way of trying to. Do renovations so they could push up the rent. When did you when did you see this problem the first time? How did when did you understand how aggressive this was?
3: Well, in our legislation, we had a paragraph from the nineties where Copenhagen was a worn-down uh, industrial city. I think maybe as Swede, you you might remember that time. Copenhagen was almost bankrupt as a city, uh, and and we changed the legislation back then so that you could make a large renovation of apartments and then uh, and then push up the rent uh, and that was meant to be maybe a 50% increase when people moved out but then through the the decades uh, since the 90s it has been used more and more aggressively uh, and then when we saw some of the international uh, investors, uh, Blackstone as the most aggressive, but also others from from the UK and from the US, then it came to a whole new uh, level, uh, and I got uh, letters from uh, mails from from people who had their uh, rent uh, pushed up by by two hundred percent and and uh, and other crazy stories about also. Uh, Construction workers entering people's bedrooms at uh, at uh, half past six in the morning and all these stories and and of course it was part of a of a way to to buy up apartments and then because you have to get people to move to make these very profitable uh, renovations then they used all the methods they had to to get people out of the apartments so they could push up the rent after renovating and then uh, get new uh, uh tenants in. and and usually the tenants who came in were people who who were unaware of of uh, Danish housing regulation and for example they they had many from embassies around the world and then just you know paid the price whatever high it was
2: I have to admit that when i understood that push the film would be screening as its world premiere in Denmark. I actually didn't know that Blackstone and other big asset management firms, etc., were active there. Uh, but of course, when I realized that Push was going there, then we started to do some research. And of course, I figured out that there were these protests going on, and and this pattern that I had seen in so many other countries was, in fact, I couldn't believe it actually that it was, in fact, playing out in. Denmark and in Copenhagen specifically. Um, I mean, I think you'll recall I, as UN rapporteur, I wrote a series of letters, including a letter to the government of uh, Denmark, Uh, you were not minister at the time, Um, and uh, expressing my concern because I was seeing this global pattern. Um, But it did surprise me that it had taken hold in, in Copenhagen to the extent that it had. But one thing you said that I really think is so important, and I, 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 it, it's the same narrative I have, which is we have in place laws and, in fact, a whole paradigm that may have worked in the 90s, but we're in an entirely new landscape now, and those things aren't working now, and they're being taken advantage of. And, and, and I really like what you said about that, because I think we are in a new era, and i think you've recognized that w- w- through your law um which is which is very cool and really important
3: well i agree with that uh, especially in the nordic countries we had uh, some f- three or four different uh, periods of housing regulation where the period between start 90s and until a few years ago uh, there was a, a strong confidence in in market solutions and also in in leaving uh, some of the need for, a uh, leaving all of the need for, for for affordable housing to to the social housing uh, associations and non-profit associations, and then and then letting the market take risk of it, and, and I think that's that's that made a very difficult situation in in the Nordic capitals, and and also in Copenhagen, where where you have some twenty percent. Uh, that is non-profit housing associations, and then you would have 80% market uh, housing. And and that's what we challenged with our legislation, saying that the old housing, uh, private housing uh, um, estates, uh, those should be regulated and we should keep a strong and tight regulation so that it's possible for people who have uh, normal jobs to drive the buses in Copenhagen or who who's uh, who's working in the kindergartens or in the shops uh, uh, at the counters they, they should also be able to to live uh, close to that job they shouldn't uh, on top of a low wage also have uh, one half hour commute to get to the to the place they work and and that's very important uh, for us to to reinstate that principle in the way that we plan our cities
1: i I think what you just said. Uh, It's a very simple sentence. You said that it's important that also nurses and bus drivers and people who work in shops have the right to live in the city. It's a very simple sentence, but it's actually very radical. It shouldn't be radical because it's like this is how we remember that cities were. But I mean, when we've been around the world, we see nurses, teachers, bus drivers, taxi drivers, they are all commuting into the cities to work. They, don't, they can't afford to live there. And I remember when we were in Copenhagen for the premiere, we made a lot of interviews. We met a lot of people. All the, the young journalists told us the same stories. I cannot afford to live in town. I have to live out there. I live with a friend. I mean, also young professionals were under the same stress. So I mean you're I mean I've checked you you were 34 when you were in the panel you're 36 <laughs> now so you're you're also kind of closer to to that generation who is not so safe because the older generation must sit a little bit safer so you do you think that also you have closer to when your your passion in this is also connected to that your yourself is also in this kind of stage of life where you You need to get into the housing market and suddenly it's not that easy anymore.
3: Well, I think that for for my generation of people who were born in the 80s, there's another view on, on how housing market and urban development goes and how it works. When we go back a few decades, then there was a very strong emphasis on on uh, on uh, development and and how to turn around cities who were maybe especially especially the inner parts of the cities were were challenged by uh urban decay or, or how you how you say and and um and i think that for my generation we'd more had a skip very a much more skeptical view on uh on the whole uh, loan bank loan and and expensive housing and the financial crisis and how it worked together with and crest in two thousand and eight and especially in Denmark but also many other european countries we we've seen severe consequences from that and and people losing their houses losing their jobs and banks going bankrupt because they they uh, they made all these crazy investments and I think it's it's been part of 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 the of the upbringing that we had and 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 the and the and the way we we view uh, urban development is also uh, is also influenced by by those experiences in in the in the financial crisis and i think that's why people uh, have a much more strong support for 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 demanding uh a non-profit housing in urban development and for keeping old uh, cheap private apartments regulated and and for keeping prices down on co-op housing which is also a very large part of Copenhagen housing as in Sweden also uh, and we're fighting a, a very strong or uh, fierce uh, battle to keep uh, those housing prices uh, somewhat low uh, it's it's still very expensive but but to to keep a large part of the middle class uh, into uh, the group that, that can actually buy uh, their own house in one way or the other and to ensure that those who can't, they have the possibility to, to move into non-profit apartments.
1: I had, I, this makes me want to go back to our days two years ago in Copenhagen, Le- Leilani. Uh, the Canadian Embassy invited us for lunch and they also had invited some key players of the Danish uh, business life and they were all in the in the real estate business and there was only one empty chair that somebody who had promised to be there and you can guess Corey who it was it was blackstone didn't show up (laughs) Janssen,
3: nils jansson yeah so
1: they he didn't show up when he understood what the film was about and when leilani had started to speak but remember leilani you were sitting with somebody i should maybe mention the name but it was from some very heavyweight player in, in your country saying that it's not a human right to mid- live in the middle of, of Copenhagen. Elania, remember, So you lost a little bit of your beautiful face for a while. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, that was a very tense conversation because... Uh, I mean, as you said, uh, Frederick, it is a radical, for some reason, it's become a radical idea that people who make our cities work should actually live in those cities. I mean, how that's become radical, I don't know. But this gentleman was saying to me, you know, human rights don't say that you have the right to live in city centre. And so we got into a big debate about that and about the merits of having teachers, firefighters, police officers, nurses living in the city. And while there may not be the right to the city, there may not be a human right to live in city centre, there is a human right to remain in a unit that you're living in and to not be costed out of your unit and basically forced out by escalating prices that is a human right because affordability is a key component of the right to housing and so enacting legislation to protect that the ability of people to stay in their homes is super important and is consistent with the right to housing that's what I argued
1: (laughs) (laughs) just a quick one Uh, when you when you entered into the into the government uh, two years ago the letters from Leilani about Blackstone landed on your table to to answer, and you were one of the the ones who actually did the works. The Swedish government hardly answered at all. So I mean, and other governments, the American government certainly didn't answer. So, what did you think when you saw those letters?
3: Well, I think that it is a very important. Uh, uh, focus uh, to to have a, in all of uh, of uh, cities around the world where where people are getting pushed out uh, and and I and we and we ran to that election uh, on some of the the issues that you brought up in your film and and that was uh, that was debated around also in Copenhagen both because of your film but also because of 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 the new players on the Copenhagen housing market especially Blackstone and uh, so so that was uh, that was in line with. With what I thought, and I think also I answered it. I don't remember exactly what I wrote in that answer, but but I think we did, and and we were working at that time in making a proposal for legislation that was uh, strong enough to uh, to push out uh, or to to make some of the most aggressive investors stay away from Denmark, uh, and and also to to send a warning to some of we we still have many uh, Danish especially pension funds and also many Scandinavian uh, investors uh, big Swedish and Norwegian uh, housing uh, asset managers uh, who who uh, who are in Copenhagen but also to send a warning to them that that if you misuse uh, some of this legislation which is not it's not detailed into every small sentence, and so so you can always find some ways to. If you if you care uh, so little about people who live in the apartments, you can find a way to to make uh, fast money on it. So so that was the double side of that legislation, and that was what we were preparing at the time when when I uh, when I answered the letter from you.
1: And then you started up a parliamentary committee straight off. That was almost your first move
3: yeah we we did that before the election we we forced because of the debate we 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 managed to to get the former government to put down that committee also because they wanted to they wanted to not have that debate and and uh, but but there were uh, three uh, uh, experts who were who were uh, making a, a strong uh, Case and analysis on, on on the situation with this specific paragraph, and what they concluded was that. That usually they double the rent in 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 our capital area uh, when people move out, some new tenant move in, then the the rent is is typically doubled. Uh, and of course, we could see when we have some seventy five thousand of these uh, uh, regulated cheap apartments left that has not yet been renovated, then it would be a matter of uh, seven or eight years before they would all be. At a whole different uh, level of rent, and and we needed to move relatively fast to to get that, uh, to change that development. Uh, and we saw also we had some other people looking at at the prices of of the property in 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 uh, in Denmark and in Copenhagen especially, and we saw that in five years they doubled the value. Uh, the 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 prices they're, they're trading them for were doubled in five years. So we, so we could see that it was something going on that wasn't uh, sustainable in the long run, and not for the people who buy them, but especially not for the people who live in them, uh, because they would be pushed out. Because what especially Blackstone did was that when they buy them, they they put in... And the in the way they calculate the price, they put in an expectation of how many people they can get out of the apartment in the first two years, five years, whatever. And then, because they they expect to get people to move much quicker than other buyers, then they they can they can calculate a higher price, and then uh, and then they they win, of course, and they buy the the properties in the end. Uh, and that's what we wanted to to stop. And and I think we did manage to get a. Uh, an agreement that that has stopped uh, many of, the, of those more uh, short-term speculators.
2: First of all, I I think that that parliamentary committee is really interesting, and again, offers a model for other countries. In my opinion, to start there, review it yourself. I mean, I keep you know agitating with different governments and and saying, look look what's happening within your borders. But it's it's really for parliamentarians to investigate this themselves and understand the issue. I think that's very important but i'm wondering Carr, if you could take us through the legislation a little bit like what does your legislation actually do how did you manage this scenario through legislation and um, yeah what does it look like
3: well there's there's three uh, main parts of it Uh, uh, there's one part uh, uh, that's strengthening tenants rights one part making it making the the renovations more uh, climate friendly, but also thereby more difficult to make. And then there's one part uh, making uh, it impossible to make renovations and double the rent within the first five years that you own the property. So if we start with that last one, then then that's that's been the most debated one, and, and the right wing parties or most of them uh, were were fiercely against uh, making this. A five-year originally, I wanted a ten-year uh, uh, ban on, on on this renovation and, and housing, uh, but what the compromise was uh, a five-year uh, period, and I think also that's going to work. What we've seen since we put that in was is that that uh, the property prices has fallen uh, about eight to twelve percent, uh, and and that many of the well-known, aggressive uh, investors uh, don't invest in Copenhagen anymore. Uh, But still, we have pension funds and we have uh, Swedish investors, especially, uh, who who still invest in in Copenhagen. But but there's been a push towards building, constructing new uh, properties uh, and less buying old properties. And, And that's just actually what we want as a government, because Constructing new properties is more does add new apartments. Even if they're expensive, it, it does add a new apartment so that that the demand is is better met. Uh, so that's one part. That's that's the five-year ban on, on on making this rent increase. And then we strengthened uh, tenants' rights by a series of new uh, measures. One one is uh, is that you can't offer people money to move out of the apartment. We saw a lot of tenants and i heard a lot of people writing to me about how they tried to buy everyone out of the apartment and people felt compelled to to take the money and get out of the apartment but in copenhagen even if you get uh, like uh, thirty thousand uh, euros for moving out of your apartment you can't buy anything with that money so it does leave people without a home and um, and we we tripled the fines that you get when you when you uh, when you don't uh, comply with uh, with housing boards uh, uh, recommendations, and we uh, made a, a lot of other smaller uh, changes that is very uh, in, down in the paragraphs, but does make difference. For example, you. Every tenant in an apartment gets to know what the other tenants pay in rent. So, so, uh, so you have a transparency, uh, which of course worked. The, the non transparency situation worked for, for the landlords, especially. And then we, we made new demands on, on the climate standard, the energy standard of the building. So when they renovate, they have to use more of the money, uh, most of the money on getting, uh, climate friendly buildings uh, and of course that that's also working for the tenants because it's uh, it's pushing down the, 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 the cost for, for heating the houses. Uh, so so that's the, the three main parts uh, and, and especially the, the five-year uh, ban on, on housing uh, increase after you buy an apartment that's been very de- debated.
1: And obviously very successful because if the these companies say it's not so nice to invest in, in, in Denmark anymore, it's like it's like you are actually actually freezing in this kind of this very destructive energy that is entering into many markets. And I know I mean Sweden, our your neighbor country, we have this strong social democratic traditions really taking care of people. You know, we have the feeling that we that we are defended and protected. But son- suddenly we could see that our old systems have also has eroded, and as you mentioned, that these new entities coming into our 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 homes, they were not on the housing market before. They are like, is they're all financial driven uh, groups, and they're looking for loopholes. And in Denmark, they found they found one loophole: how to put up the rent and. In Sweden the fund found, found a, a different one and so it goes from country to country. But overall their idea is to push up the value of the of the stock of the of the companies so they can sell them because it's I mean we have been looking into Blackstone for a long time and at their at their homepage it said buy, fix, sell. That's the business model of Blackstone. Buy, fix, sell. And when that buy, fix, sell comes in. And, in a very short time, pushes up the rents, and then they just move out it's Of course, it's not good for any society not so it's 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 really cool that you're that you're taking them on
2: absolutely and how much how much pressure were you under to not try to pass that legislation? I'm interested to know that uh for sure how hard was it
3: Well, there was a lot of pressure of course. Parliamentary pressure from from the right wing parties or most of them we did get one of the parties into the agreement that's what made it viable on the long run because then they can't turn it around when if if they get a majority but but also from the pension funds association, which is a bit of a a more uh special situation for me because social democratic party in denmark also has have always been strong tied to labor unions and labor unions are in control of pension funds so so that was a bit more delicate uh, but but they were quite fair in their critique or, or keeping on more sort of uh, they weren't pushing out fake news and and making uh, these kind of propaganda uh, moves but 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 then there was the financial sector and the landlords associations and those two were the most aggressive and and they were trying to push the discussion into uh, another uh, form of, of 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 housing which is called co-op housing which is sort of a, a halfway between a rental and an owner uh, apartment we have a lot of them especially in Copenhagen and because all these systems are linked together they tried to make this scare campaign that 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 we were pushing down people's values and and that's that was a large part of the debate and now we've seen it's been a year and of course they weren't pushed down they exactly the same price or even higher than they were at the time but but especially the financial sector were working also in with the lobbyists and, and and the people that they engaged to to push on the political parties to to uh to get this legislation stopped uh or or, or postponed uh, at least and and of course also after we passed it, it's not popular everywhere to to uh to stop the housing prices uh increase and to especially on on property when when we've seen this eight to twelve percent decrease in prices then of course some of uh some of the people who represent those values there they're complaining about it and and um, but but I used to say that that they had a double in in their price in 5 years so so I think that in it's only if they bought just one year ago then they lost something if if they have the the property longer then they still have still have a, a very strong business case in those properties
1: the, the billionaires of america became 25% richer 2020 and i guess also the billionaires of denmark made the same so, I mean, we shouldn't pity the the rich right now. <laughs> no.
2: But one question that journalists always ask me when I'm saying that I agree with rent caps or that I agree that uh, rents shouldn't be raised, you know, over periods of time, rent freezes, that sort of thing, they always say to me, well, won't that mean that landlords will let their buildings fall into disrepair because they can't recoup the cost of the repairs or renovations or upgrades what and and in light of your legislation which also says that um, buildings should be moving toward green renovations um, what's your response to that
3: well we also heard that a lot uh, but I think that people uh, it didn't it didn't resonate that much in population in the media because I think that the people don't see it uh, in there they you never Visit someone in in Copenhagen who has these uh, worn down apartments. There's there's very few of them left, and and maybe of course there is a risk that some of the apartments are renovated less than they used to be. But I'd also say that some of them were renovated too much and with a with a too high frequency. Uh, I think that, of course, as a landlord, you should, you should be able to keep them in a good standard, the apartments, and, and you should also be able to get those money back from, from the people who lived in them. But that was just not the case. And yeah, I think we had a, uh, we had, I think they got the money back in two and a half of three years. And then, but the rent was still very high. So, so for after three years, you paid the investment and then you could move on. And, And as, there's no investments in the world uh, at this time that pays off so well uh, so so i think it's and i and i think that they're going to be uh, just uh, they're going to be at a at a good level and i don't think that this legislation is going to change uh, that situation very much but then again if 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 you if you have some apartments that has a different level of of maintenance than others uh, but it's still, it's a, you're able to live there and, and you, you, have a, you have a high energy standard and, and you have the, the, all the things you need in, in, to live there, then, then I, I think that's maybe also a part of the, a diverse housing market that, that you don't need perfectly maintenanced and renovated apartments for all people. Some, if you're a student, then you can live some years in something that is maybe a, a, a bit less maintenanced. Yeah.
2: Good answer. <laughs> now I'll use, I'm going to just quote you from now on when I'm asked by journalists.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I did live as a student in one of those apartments. Me
2: so.
1: too. <laughs> we had uh, a few weeks ago, Lelani and I was part of a panel uh, at the Progressive Group of the the, the European Parliament, and uh, Mr. Franz Timmermans, the Executive Vice President of uh, Of the EU Commission, he first of all, he recommended everybody to see PUSH, (laughs) which we liked. But he also said that, which I think was interesting, that, I mean, he's an older Social Democrat. And he said, we we, we made some mistakes, we the Social Democrats also. We we believed a little bit too much that the market would be the solution for everything. And now we have to solve this. Do you feel also that the same kind of uh, that you have to repair the mistakes of, of former generations kind of?
3: Yes, I think that's true because in the nineties we had a very, there was ideologically speaking, it was a very mixed time, and and people were trying to find social democrats at, at, at measuring by how many European governments were social democrats. I think it was twelve out of fifteen or something like that in the mid nineties. So that was very successive, but but. But measuring it, what changed in policy? I think we did make some some mistakes in in believing in knowledge economy and and this vision about Europe being some place that that would think a lot and design a lot, and then we would have produced everything in China. And and if our toilet broke down, we would have some guy from Romania coming to to fix it. And and I think that. That whole knowledge economy, uh, that that vision of society was wrong because it emphasized people with uh, long education and uh, high uh, salaries, uh, and it it sort of lost track of all the other people who who needs to be there to make uh, society viable and and sustainable, and people driving the buses and the people in our hospitals and all the other not only the doctors but also those. 90% of hospital uh, staff that are not doctors. And, and, and I think we lost track of, of that, that vision of, of a society that, that has a place for, for everyone. And even if you don't take long, uh, you don't go to college or take any other long education, then then you still have a high wage and, and possibilities in your life. And, and I think maybe that was pushed out uh, in favor of some of some more focus on possibilities instead of equality and and i think that's the case with the social democrats but i also think that that what we learned also for some part because of the corona pandemic and, and all these things going on is that that you can actually put a lot more of of how society develops and and the policy that you make into the hands of politicians and make political decisions not uh, push it to the EU or push it to the market or or, or push the decisions everywhere else around. And, and, and I think that, that the notion that politicians uh, make political decisions and, and we are responsible for those, I think it's it's been giving a, a lot more uh, room in, in, that, in the past uh, two or three years, at least uh, with, with the people I discuss uh, from the social democrats around around Europe.
2: I find it amazing, I get a lot of pressure, a lot of comments that I'm trying to move the world back to socialism, and that that people are so afraid of the idea of caring society of caring governments, of reengaging the social contract. I I actually find it remarkable, but there is this new wave and we're seeing it also with the sort of feminist governance that's emerging especially in the Nordic countries but also elsewhere where it's the sense of uh actually we can be ca- caring and we can su- we can have governments that support the people and I'm I'm so happy for that kind of movement. It makes it lets me breathe more easily when i when i see that politicians actually also agree that we need to strengthen the social contract.
1: Mm. So what, just one final question to you core minister of housing in Denmark core But So what is your advice to your your colleagues in in the rest of Europe? I mean to to the colleagues here in Sweden because you in Berlin are ahead.
3: Well i think that Lailani's point about Making a, a thorough work before you go into the, the legislation phase is very important. So we need parliamentary commissions or expert commissions or whatever tradition you have in each country is different probably from country to country. But I, but I think that helped us a lot that we had this uh, 200 pages report to, to, uh, to stand on when we, uh, when we came with our proposals uh, back uh, some years ago. And, and I think that, um, that people should be aware that there are very uh, strong interests uh, at stake, especially for for as I mentioned, the financial sector was was very skeptical of of our proposal, and and you're getting in a fight with some of the some of the big players in in traditional politics. But but I think that what well, we discussed it also in the government. I think we always had the. We always had the the view in it that that we were uh, proposing legislation that that most danes uh, agreed in and we think one thing is that that we think, thought it was the right thing to do, and that's why we started it, but also that that most people agreed with us also people who who vote for uh, center-right parties, they, they also thought that, that Blackstone and, and the representatives they had in Denmark were going too far. So, so I think that was, uh, that was one thing that, that I always kept in mind. We were about to lose this whole case because some of the other parties in parliament were, 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 were chasing also some of them. One of the parties who brought us into power and who's supporting us as a government, usually they, they were skeptical about this, uh, this legislation. But, but I think that, that that's very important to, to remember that most people uh, see the reason behind having cities where all sorts of people can live, uh, no matter uh, how much uh, you earn. And, and most people see see reason in, in, in not making fast profits on buying and selling property because, well, I think at least in, 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 in the Nordic countries, uh, but also maybe in, in most of Europe, we have this one notion from from the social democratic and workers movement that that you should always push society t- towards uh, earning more on your work and earning less on owning money. So so if we could do that uh, slowly but gradually, uh, I think that was that would be a, a strong positive force. And I think that that uh, restricting uh, fast money and property is one. Uh, one tool to get there but the overall development of making people earn more on their job and less on their on their on their property and their assets i think that that's very important to always keep in mind when when you make political decisions
1: cool that's a very good message to your colleagues out around europe and of course out also in canada or other countries that needs uh, inspiration. And I tell you also, Minister, that we've we were uh, been contacted by a Danish uh, entrepreneur in the housing sector, Rasmus Nørgaard, and he, he bought for Christmas, he bought uh, like 200 licenses of the film to send to all his co-workers because he wanted them to see the film. And he's probably not a one of your voters anyway. So, I mean, also... <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, also in that sector, there are people who, who can have a who can also oppose this kind of hit-and-run tactics that that Blackstone are more typical of.
3: At least the people who built the houses are voting for Social Democrats, but I don't (laughs) don't think that people who own the houses are voting for us. Not all of them, at least.
1: No, that's okay. There are not so many. (laughs) (laughs) so Leilani uh, this was Pushback Talks and uh, so what do we need to say now we don't have any money support us on on patreon.com the way we always end every every episode (laughs) ends the
2: same way please support our podcast we do
1: this with no resources and today again thank you to CPH Docs the, the, the best documentary film festival in the world seated in Copenhagen where we had a world premiere of PUSH. And with the love and the passion of that festival, we, we reached out to tenants in Blackstone homes and to journalists and to politicians that actually in the end landed in this podcast episode today. Isn't that cool, Elani?
2: It's very cool. Copenhagen has a special place in my heart now from my experiences, just amazing.
1: Thank you, Koro uh, Dybet for taking part in, in Pushback Talks. And uh, let's hope we can meet in Copenhagen one day and, and, and update this, um, because the, this, the story history is not over. It will continue.
3: Oh, You're very welcome here, and thank you for inviting
1: me. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leilani. Now it's time for you to, I guess, walk the dog or something. Or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
0: Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To support the podcast, become a patron by going to patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Follow us on social media at make underscore the shift and at push underscore the film. Or check out our websites, maketheshift.org, pushthefilm.com, or breakingsocialfilm.com.